Good evening, good evening, good evening. My name is Laura Bradburn and welcome to the inaugural show of Thoughts on the Hoops. This is my um, attempt to strike out on my own for a change and um, get involved in this podcast and alert for myself. Um, anybody who is watching, um, thank you very much. Get involved in the comments if you um, are interested in talking about the topics that we have tonight. Got a few things to cover. Um, obviously, we'll do a little bit of chat about the international break and um, talking about how it affected some of the Celtic stars. Um, got a, an injury to, to Lewis Palma to discuss. Um, the Honduras manager talked about that being a potentially significant issue. Um, a little bit to talk about Matt O'Reilly's making his debut for uh, Denmark and how that went down. Um, and we've got a couple other things to discuss. We've got um, Brendan Rodgers' comments about um, his recent uh, sort of thoughts on the summer transfer window and how that went or how it didn't go, um, depending on how you look at it. Um, so lots to discuss. Um, the first thing I want to say is, um, if you're listening to this afterwards or if you're listening live... Thank you very much for um, all the encouragement and support that I've received over the past couple of days since um, making it clear that this was um, an option that I wanted to explore, um, trying to do my own YouTube content and, and, and uh, podcast. Um, I'm all too acutely aware that uh, anybody who'll be watching this um, at all um, will most likely have uh, found my channels and my output through um, my previous uh, involvement with the biggest Celtic fan uh, media um, outlet that is out there, which is a Celtic State of Mind, uh, an absolutely fantastic, fantastic outlet who um, I was involved with from the depths of lockdown uh, right through until very, very recently. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that before we before we get into the Celtic news. Obviously. Uh, I know the way of the way of the world and the way of um drama and YouTube and things like that. And um I just want to say that um for anybody thinking that there's any major bad feeling between me and um my ex collaborators at Axom, I can only tell you that uh, things couldn't be further from the truth as far as that's concerned. I've had very supportive messages from people who are still involved with the, uh, the show um, and not least from, from Paul himself, the, the originator of all things Axom. Um, I loved being a part of that show. I, I, it is, there, there will be no bigger Celtic platform for fans uh, than Axom and I'm sure of that moving forward. Um, but what became clear obviously over the past few weeks and months was that um, my desire to... Uh, make my own thoughts known on my own platforms and that kind of thing was was bringing a little bit too much heat on a platform that I didn't originate, that I didn't put all the hard work into, that I didn't really feel um, comfortable um, causing any ne negative feedback onto. Um, and that was why after discussions with the team, uh, I made the decision to step out on my own because... Um, as strange or as hot as the takes might be that I am sort of known for putting out there on Celtic matters, um, at least if I do it on my own platform, then it's only myself that I can affect negatively in that sense. Um, I hope that obviously that's not, not the case. Um, I hope that I can put opinions out there that people um, are interested in hearing in and, and that they're interested in, in listening to and engaging with. Um, uh, and I hope that that's, that's something that we do going forward. I can see um, a Celtic state of mind in the chat, Paul. Um, if you're watching even the first couple of minutes, thank you very much for all your support. It's really um, it's really been second to none. Um, um, I see um, Willie Innes in the chat there. Willie, thanks very much for, 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 your, uh, for your comment there. Um, I really hope it goes as well as you're hoping it does for me. So um, thanks very much. Um, but we'll move on to Celtic matters. Um, and the first thing I wanted to talk about was um, I saw an interesting article uh, published by Football Scotland. And I I've, <laughs> I've included this only because um, 
not necessarily, a, I don't have a particular interest in talking about international football and how it affects Celtic players because at the end of the day, unless they're a Scotland player, I, I don't really have that much interest in how they do international-wise. But I was interested to see um, what I would describe as like a very uh, typical Scottish media coverage of of uh, the performance of one of our particular uh, Celts this weekend, and that's 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 Matt O'Reilly. Now, obviously, looking at Matt O'Reilly um, and his performance for um, Denmark, it wasn't it wasn't a fantastic performance for anybody from Denmark. Um, they they lost, I think, two 0 to um, to Northern Ireland, um, uh, and you know there was very very few players who had had uh, pass marks. You would have to say. Um, but I took interest in, in reading the report just because obviously Matt O'Reilly was making his, his debut for the Danish national team. Um, I'm sure all of you will have seen that very candid photo of him standing proud as punch in the, in the team lineup before the match and, and it looked really pleased to be there. Um, uh, but this article was a bit strange. The headline says, Matt O'Reilly suffers humiliating Denmark review as Celtic star brutalising player ratings. And, and I thought, well, that's... That's obviously a headline that's going to make you want to read the article, that's for sure. Um, but when you actually go further into it and when you look at it, uh, n obviously none of the Danish players uh, got very good marks. They 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 fell to a 2-0 defeat to Michael O'Neill's Northern Ireland, as it says there, um, but the nation's press let rip at full time. Um, O'Reilly could not escape the player ratings from Republic uh, from reputable outlet bold.dk where he was hit with a 3 out of 10 sounds horrendous um, but it actually says if you see down there it says O'Reilly was one of the highest scorers on the list with the likes of keeper Kasper Schmeichel, Rasmus Nissen and Jesper Lindstrom won all blasted so why why to me a Scottish outlet would uh, want to do down somebody from our league and our football culture represent his country and, and you know, single him out as or blasting him for having a poor performance when in actual fact he was the best of a bad bunch for Denmark. I don't really know. Um, I don't need to tell anybody who's watching or listening to this that that is the way that things tend to go with, um, with the Scottish media and Celtic a lot of the time. That they um they they tend to go on the negative side of things and and I was just disappointed to see it but um obviously I would I would wish to say that for for Matt O'Reilly um I hope that's not the way of things to come for him on uh, in a Denmark shirt I'm sure it won't be I'm sure it won't be his last appearance and I'm sure he will um go on to to make many appearances and be a success for 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 that team you don't get handed um former number 10 Christian Eriksen shirt if you're not a player who deserves it um as the great Jockstein once said Celtic shirts uh don't shrink to fit inferior players I'm sure that's the case in terms of national teams as well um so that was that was an interesting thing that I saw that I just thought was was worth worth bringing up I thought he um you know, I, I I listened to a translation of his um interview in Danish with with the press afterwards, and you could just tell how much he was beaming about being um being included in that squad. And um, I think it's his mum who's Danish, and he obviously feels very, very much Danish in terms of his 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 upbringing and his culture. And it's it's great to see him getting that opportunity to represent his country as he has. Um, and, and another slightly more concerning issue that we saw um, earlier in the earlier in the week was the um, interview that um, Lewis Palmer's manager at Honduras did. Now, this is an article from Celts are here, um, one of the really good Celtic fan outlets and Celtic media outlets that I like to get a lot of my news from, um, and it says. Uh, Last, late last week, Palmer registered a sublime assist for Honduras versus Mexico. Um, one could suggest that's just Palmer doing Palmer things, isn't it? We've all seen 
um, what he can bring in a Celtic shirt in terms of not only his assists but that powerful shot he's got the way he can cut in onto his right foot and, and rifle a ball into the far corner um, but uh, what was a bit more concerning was that Honduran gaffer um, Ronaldo Rueda spoke to the media recently saying that um, he had a tackle um, I think it was in training uh, with Sanchez and um, uh, yeah his, his joint mobility um, was stimulated and they're looking at potentially um, try, trying to strengthen that. I've not seen anything more um, in terms of an update uh, as to um, how light, quickly he's likely to recover because it's, it's strange to say considering, you know, it, it took a little bit of a while to get into the get into the squad, but I think it's safe to say that especially with the the injury to to Dyson Maida that we've we've seen um, uh, that uh, you know we're going to need Palma as much as possible. Just looking at the chat here, um, Paul Rees says if Denmark had many better options than O'Reilly in midfield, they have a very good squad indeed. I absolutely um, agree with that. Absolutely agree with that. Matt O'Reilly has without doubt been one of our best players this season, and I think. There's a potential that we, we we don't hang on to him for much longer. Um, I I hope that that's not the case. But um, you know we 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 have to we have to go with what we go with. Um, as far as that's concerned. Um. So yeah, that was that was the two international issues that I wanted to cover. Um, O'Reilly and Palma being the main ones. Obviously, the other one. Um, the other main one for for those of us, um, based in Scotland and of of uh, that persuasion is obviously the, the confirmation, although it was already confirmed that Scotland are indeed through to the to the um European Championships next summer in Germany. We um didn't have a great last two games of the campaign, but um uh as far as we're concerned that doesn't really matter. Um, we we're through and we've we've made it and we're gonna um we're gonna get um hopefully a good group with us being in the pot that we're in um we're we're thankfully going to avoid some pretty strong teams in the pot that we're in um and uh hopefully that means we can do something significant um i see a few of you, more of you joining the joining the the viewership so um if you want to say hello and get involved in the chat then i'd be more than happy to to see you in there um it's great to to be back doing this and um and covering the team that we all love celtic um but yeah, Scotland is a a really interesting um, thing to to observe because much like everybody else, I, I took very little interest in them over a lot of the majority of the past fifteen years. The Bertie Vokes era, the Alex McLeish era, the you know the countless ones that I could name, where we we really haven't done what we should be doing with some of the caliber of players that we have but Stevie Clark has done absolute wonders with probably the best squad we've had in a number of generations and um, I for one really hope that we can um, get out there and make the most of of what we what we have available to us next summer I don't think we've got anybody to fear you know we, we've We've beaten Spain, we've beaten Norway, we've beaten loads of teams on this campaign and given other good teams a good um a, a good challenge. And I think we need to um believe in ourselves for, for this coming campaign and this coming tournament. Um because, you know, we're there on merit, absolutely, and, and we should believe that. Um let's hope it doesn't turn out the way um it often does for for Celtic on the European stage because uh, nobody wants to be to be re-witnessing that, I have to say. Um, the next thing I wanted to look at uh, as far as um, things were concerned was um, I don't know how many of you out there have a subscription to it, but I subscribe to, to The Athletic and um, they don't often post... Um, Articles concerning Celtic, it's very much more deep dive on um, a lot more obscure parts of football. Stuff that I really like reading right enough, but you don't see a lot of Celtic content in there. So when you do, you kind of, your your ears prick up a little bit and you, um, you start to wonder whether there's something, something there worth um, 
looking into it. And the interesting one that I saw the other week there was a, an, an article from our very own, or our very own former striker, um, Georgios Giacomakis. Um, he is, has been um, in the in the papers, obviously, talking about um, his time at Celtic, uh, amongst other things. Uh, he's obviously had a very successful transition to life in the MLS. Um, he, he made that comment. Um, he made the comment about um, uh, people not being able to pronounce his name and they would be able to pronounce his name by, by the time he was finished in the MLS and they certainly are able to do that. Um, he even beat uh, Messi to that MLS award as well. Um... So I was reading this like just quite interested in seeing how he's doing. Um and uh I think he really has uh, sort of settled in well. He's been scoring goals for them and, and he's he's you know, making the most of, of the, the ability that he has, the same as he did at Celtic. Um but there was something that he said that I thought was a little bit strange. Um so he was Talking about how the opportunity was great for him to, to, to leave Greece and I think he went to Poland first and then Holland and then obviously ended up in Glasgow. Um but there was something that he said that I just thought was a little bit um a little bit strange. So he's talking about everything here. Um let me just see if I can find it. Sorry, this is me getting used to um what I'm doing tonight. So apologies if there's any kind of dead air. He says, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think to leave Celtic if several things didn't go wrong and many of them were completely wrong. I cannot lie, my relationship with the manager um, was, wasn't great at the end of the day. We never had a specific fight, but he didn't trust me as much as I wanted to feel trusted. I don't think that's news to any of us. Um, he, um, he very much uh, wasn't trusted, I don't think, in terms of being the starter but then I think if you look at it that way there's very few strikers going to be trusted more than Kyogo in terms of being a goal scorer so I don't know I think I get why footballers have to back themselves but I, I think I personally um would be quite happy playing second fiddle to Kyogo if I was Celtic striker but then that's that's why I'm not a professional footballer Giacomacus is pushing himself to be to be better than second fiddle to somebody um, but one thing I wanted to ask you guys, he, he, he says a little bit further down, let me just um, pull my mouse over here, says a little bit further down, I had to go, I never regretted a moment, I was sad that I had to leave Celtic, I was living a life there, I was good, I was like a god for the fans, is what he says, now it's, it's this particular sentence here, I was like a god for the fans, now, I don't know what parameters you would say um a Celtic player needs to meet to be considered a god for the fans but and this might be this might be me entering into hot take territory once again but uh I think for Yakimakis to say he was like a god for the fans tells you more about his attitude and his dare I say arrogance than it does about anything factual I mean don't get me wrong I think he was a very well liked guy anybody who scores goals for Celtic especially scoring goals against Rangers and scoring goals uh, in the nature that he did they're always going to be a favourite at Celtic because we love we love goal scorers but to say he was like a god to Celtic supporters I mean he certainly wasn't like a god to me I don't know that he was a god to to a lot of other people who are watching this or, or listening to this. Um, and it did make me wonder, please get involved in the chat if you um, have any thoughts on this, it did make me wonder who you would consider to be a to be a, a god to Celtic fans. Now, there are, there are the obvious ones, obviously. You've got Jock Steen, greatest manager in our history. One is the, one is the European Cup. You've got um, the Lisbon Lions in general, um for also doing that same feat and even amongst those um, you've got Jinky and Billy McNeil who I think stand head and shoulders above um, 
above even the rest of those um, players, even though all of them have their place um, uh, in Celtic folklore. Um, beyond that, um, Larson is probably godlike status for Celtic supporters for obvious reasons. The number of goals that guy scores, the way he conducted himself, um, the way that he played football so gracefully. Um, Celtic supporters just love that guy. He's absolutely godlike status for us. Um, I think beyond those players, it would be difficult. It would be difficult because there's a difference between um, a player who the Celtic supporters like, like a Tommy Burns, who is like a Celtic supporter on the pitch. He's one of us who's who's representing the club um, uh, and, and, and out there playing for a people and a cause, as he says. Um, do you know the only one that I think would come even close to that? Um, the only other one, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, I think Jota hits that kind of like godlike status in that he's so mercurial, he's so like exotic and has this almost magical quality to the way that he plays football that you're like, yeah, I could see him being like godlike status. I mean, obviously, I, I wish he had stayed longer. I wish he had made more of his time at the club. Um, I wish he had not taken the option that he did to go to um to go to Saudi, but at the same time, you can't you can't really blame the guy. He he saw an opportunity to to make a life changing decision, and okay, maybe regretting that now, but but he had to make it. But yeah, I think he I think he fits. He's the closest to what I would say fitting kind of godlike status as far as Celtic players is concerned. And it's difficult to like kind of establish exactly what that means. Like godlike status. Like if you're um, this this is me going to like really out myself here, but like legend icon godlike status, especially in a a game like football manager or something like that, is always about um your length of service at a club, your length of uh your length of time that you've been involved at Celtic or, or at any club, and and your length of service. Um, and there's plenty of players that we could put in that category but does that make them godlike status i tend to think of godlike status more like a kind of a a, a player whose qualities seem like almost not of this planet uh, somebody who like kind of floats through games and like makes the most of the talent that they have in that way um and that's why jota is on that category for me um and why a lot of people might disagree but it, I guess it depends on your interpretation of the word. Um, just going back to the chat a little bit, Anthony Aitken, great to see you again, Laura B. Um, good luck with this. Thank you very much. Hope it goes well. Um, I'm I'm already got to say I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying being back talking about Celtic, and I'm hoping, like obviously, as time goes on and things grow, I can get guests on the show and stuff like that, and you don't have to listen to me ramble on for for hours and hours myself, but yeah, I'm really enjoying just discussing Celtic. Um, Lisa McLean says, finally worked out how to work the chat. Great to see you back, Laura. You'll smash it. Thanks very much, Lisa. It's really um, good to, to have you in the chat. Now, I don't know if you are, let me know if you are now that you've worked out the chat. Are you the same Lisa McLean who did the tattoo um, thing with Jerry over on Axom and he ended up having to get a tattoo and all that I watched all that stuff, it was absolutely hilarious by the way um, especially considering it was Jerry um, who got, ended up getting the tattoo and that's always good to see um, that's it, yes it is you it is you, no, it was good it was good, to, it was good to watch, I did enjoy watching that, I was quite glad I wasn't involved though because I can't can't hit a football to save my life for a multitude of reasons, which makes it all the more ironic that I like to sit criticising other people and how they do it, but that's that's the game's the game, as they say. Um, Anthony Aitken says, Kyogo can be a god. 
absolutely can be. And I do think he's got that kind of mercurial quality to him, that kind of untouchable nature that like uh makes him kind of a cut above what your your average is. It almost in the same way as like um I think my dad when I was talking to him about it said he thinks Maravchik's got that quality about him and I can see that being one. Um I definitely agree with that. But it's that's what I mean. It's like <coughs> it's not about um length of service or loyalty or um it's almost an Alan Morrison at Celtic by numbers is gonna hate me for saying this, but it's not it's almost as if it's not a quantifiable thing. It's a it's an intangible that you don't really you can't really quantify. And those players that we're talking about, your Kyogo, Maravchik, Jota, Larson, they have that. I mean Larson you could quantify his greatness in, in numbers as well, but but he he certainly um he certainly um had that intangible quality about him as well. Um so yeah, I think I think it's just an interesting one because I think going back to Jackamacus and the fact that he made that comment, it made me realise that like some people I don't know. I I think he had an idea of how he was seen amongst the Celtic support. And don't get me wrong, I think he was seen very positively uh during his time at the club. But if there's one thing as Celtic supporters we don't really have time for, it's somebody who makes clear their intention to leave. Um and he did that. So he made his intention clear to leave and all the best to him. But I don't think uh Certainly for me, um, I don't think he's a, a god of any description. Um, even though I do have fond memories of him at the club. Wolf Tone says the holy goalie is a god. Well, uh, he certainly um, he certainly is to a lot of people. I, I, I do like Carter. I think he, um, he's, he's, he's the epitome of what I would call... What? I was about to say I was about to say he's the epitome of a cult hero. He certainly is like a, a a hero amongst the fans for more than just footballing reasons. But it's almost as if I feel like he was too good a goalkeeper to be considered a cult hero. Like he's too. So a lot of people consider him to be the best goalkeeper they've seen in their lifetimes at Celtic. Um, certainly that is a lot of younger supporters that would say that. But he is definitely in that kind of. Um bracket um and i i really like him as well um uh he's uh he's definitely up there um willie ennis says uh, tom boyd would be the the god of unbiased opinions on commentary somebody tell me this by the way just thinking about that i i i crack up at, at tom boyd on on celtic tv commentary he's absolutely class because i think if there's one place that you can be unbiased like that it's on like club uh, coverage and he certainly does that um, he kind of will shout the type of things that you hear people shouting in the stands and he's he's unashamed about it but I've actually not um, seen or heard from him a lot on Celtic TV, it's been a lot of Peter Grant recently with, with the main commentator Paul Cuddy and I mean I like I like Peter Grant as much as the next guy did, you, did everybody know that he coached Matt O'Reilly at Fulham by the way he doesn't like to mention it very often but but he did so um, but yeah, he's a he's a good co-commentator as well. But yeah, Tom Boyd is class. He is an absolute god of co-commentary. One of those guys that literally does bleed green and white, and I, I kind of love it. Uh, Swindle says, good to see you back. Thank you very much. Good to be back. Um, hopefully it's not the first and last time that you see me. Um, yeah, so that was my little ramble about... Um, what makes a Celtic god and who who makes a Celtic god and all that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if it means very much to anybody or if there's even a point having the discussion about it. But it's just something that I found interesting that that he would label himself that way when I don't I don't think the evidence suggests that he is. Um, but we'll move on again to another topic that I wanted to talk about. Now I haven't I haven't actually caught up on the most recent um press conference of Brendan Rodgers so it may be that he's said something different to to what's in here but I just wanted to um have a look at this article here 
Uh, this is on 67 Hill Hill, um, another great Celtic um, fan media outlet, but um, I wanted to cover it because um, he stated very recently this week that um, he stated no players have been per- pushed on to him during his second spell at the club after concerns were today raised at um, the AGM earlier this week. This article was obviously published um, on Wednesday following that, that AGM Um the less said about the AGM, the better. I thought there was a lot of stuff going on there that I wouldn't really want to comment on. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting because Rogers was forced to kind of address um, speculation that he's not entirely happy, as it says here, with some of the talents that have arrived during the first uh, few months of his return. Now... He said here, and it was quoted in the Herald, no player has been pushed on to me. We have a structure and set up that we're planning for longer term in our signing strategy. I make the final decision on whether we we sign a player. Now, on the face of it, that seems like a very sensible sort of take on how a club should work. I, I kind of like the idea that regardless of who the manager is, there's a structured way in which we recruit, scout and recruit players. Um, but when he says um, I make the final decision on whether we sign a player it kind of flies in the face of comments that he made earlier in the season um, specifically (coughs) specifically um, talking about I think he said something I might be paraphrasing here but he said something along the lines of at the start of the season um, I I coach the players I'm provided with or something like that like I I almost a kind of I make do with what I'm given was the kind of thing that he said and I thought that kind of flies in the face with this comment here okay he says I make the final decision on whether we sign a player but it's it's quite obvious that he doesn't identify the players now I I, I obviously I'm not going to know one way or another whether he's been entirely forthcoming with what the the project with the process and all that kind of thing and and I don't expect them to be because it's not our right as fans to know absolutely every in and out of how transfers work and all that but um, certainly at the AGM when you're talking to investors and you're talking to people like that they should they have a right to know a little bit more than your average Joe on the street um, but I, I I refuse to believe that he gave the final sign-off on players like Quan, Tilio at this stage. I, c- I can't believe he would give the sign-off on a player who then comes in and apparently, if you're to believe what's been said about him since, is so far off the level that's required. Um, I can't imagine that Rodgers is a football manager who would make a decision that badly. Um I'm also suspicious that that deal was was done well before Rodgers came in the door even. Um, And even going back to Ange Postacoglu's time, um, there's nobody that can convince me that he had anything to do with the James McCarthy signing. So there is a history of Celtic buying players irrespective of who who the manager is, never mind um, who, like, who irrespective of who the manager is, never mind whether they made the, the decision or not. Um, And and that, that just worries me a little bit, that there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there in terms of what, what's being said and what's actually being done. Um, it says here, earlier on Wednesday, Rogers reiterated that the club would be looking to add quality, which he has said, but he's also looking at trimming down the squad. I think, I think it's some, we've got something like 32 senior players in the squad at the moment, a lot of whom are nowhere near first-team quality and are nowhere near getting into the squad. You know, the very fact that we've lost Maeda to injury and Abada to injury um, and we're relying on the likes of James Forrest, who, for the last couple of years anyway, hasn't been anywhere near the first-team squad, suggests that, you know, even in amongst those 32 players, the manager doesn't feel he's got the quality there that's needed. So we need a major, major trimming down. We need to get rid of players like... Kobayashi, I would say Quan, I would say Tilio, maybe not permanently, but certainly in the medium to long, uh, in the short to medium term, needs to go. 
and take a loan somewhere, maybe do a Tom Rogic style thing, go back to Australia for a little bit of time, um, build himself up again after the, the injury that he's had and then come back again. Because, listen, I, Tilio, let's, let's look at Tilio specifically. He, he came with such a good reputation in terms of what people thought he was um, capable of. Um, we all saw the clips on YouTube and okay, it's very good to look good on YouTube, but um, he he really did seem to like spark an excitement in people. Um, another podcast that I listen to is the 20 Minute Tims. They, they very, well, I'd say very kindly, they, they published um, part of their Patreon content to their main feed a wee while ago um, where they do like scouting podcasts with um, Euro expert, um, who's a guy on Twitter, and he was so excited about Marco Tilio. He was like, "This guy's going to change the game. He's going to be the best player in Scotland. He's going to be this. He's going to be that." And it just doesn't seem to have happened. So I don't really understand what's uh what's going on there. Um, Lisa McLean says I watched Tilio play in the B team against Air United. He genuinely looked like he couldn't be bothered being there. Do you know that's going to that's going to um, prompt me to say something that I didn't think I would say. I had the very good fortune when I was with Axom of going to a, a few uh, signing uh, announcements, a few contract announcements, a few pre-match and post-match uh, press conferences. I interviewed David Turnbull, Callum McGregor, Morris Jens, um, Jota, um, and Marco Tilio was one of them. Uh, and I have to say, Jota, I interviewed when he signed his contract after the loan period and he came back to, to, back to sign his permanent contract. He seemed delighted to be there, um, even though he couldn't understand Declan McConville's thick Scottish accent. Um I had to get him to repeat his question, which was quite funny. But he seemed delighted to be there. Morris Jens was an absolute gentleman, came round and shook every single one of her hands individually and seemed genuinely genuinely uh, thrilled to be a Celtic footballer, um, which was good to see. David Turnbull and Callum McGregor, Matt O'Reilly, Greg Taylor, who I've spoken to as well, they all seemed very enthusiastic about their, their roles at the club. Marco Tillio is a young guy. But I have to say, what Lisa says there about him looking as if he wasn't bothered being at the air match, it might just be his demeanour, but I felt I felt a little bit like that even in the press conference, way back at the start. I felt a little bit like he... I don't, I don't even want to say that he couldn't be bothered being there, but he certainly just appeared like very subdued and very... Um, unenthusiastic. Now, there could be a multitude of reasons for that. The guy is moving from one side of the world to the other, and God knows I've never done that before, so it's possible that that could have been an issue for him. But yeah, it it, it did stick out to me at the time. I remember thinking that he just didn't seem to have that same enthusiasm for what he was there to do as everybody else, and maybe that has translated into his training and, and all that kind of thing. Um... Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens to him. I really hope that we see something of him in the new year, especially if Palma's going to be injured as well as Maeda. There comes a point where it's like, how many more people have to be taken out of his way before we decide whether he's going to be of any good? Um, Anthony can says, who signed Tilio? I mean, you could probably ask Wolftone above you, who says, is Mark Lawwell Rogers' man? I don't think so. Signings have been a bit scattergun. Mark Lowell, I would suggest, is probably one of the main reasons Tilio came to the club because I think he's involved with the city. He was involved with the city group before he arrived at Celtic, and Marco Tilio obviously played for Melbourne City, who are part of the city group as well. That's me trying to kind of join the dots, but that would be my assumption on it anyway. So I don't know. I don't know. Going back to the original conversation that we were talking about with 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 Rogers, I. 
I'm not entirely sure that he's being totally forthcoming in terms of saying that he makes the final decision on all the players. I certainly hope as manager that he would. But there's something about the players that we have in at the club at the moment that suggests to me that that's not the case. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I think we need to really consider um, uh, consider in January what we do. I think it's as important for us to offload players as it is to bring players in. That's for certain. Um, because the squad's just getting so bloated and so um, kind of... I think that must bring a sluggishness into the mentality and on the training ground and stuff as well. If you're hanging about and there's a very definite line between those who are going to play and those who are not going to play, it's got to create a strange atmosphere. Not only tension between those two groups of players, but if you're in the group of players that isn't playing, um, then your attitude might not be right and you might just be pulling the whole atmosphere of the place down. So there's there's definitely players that are in that boat. Kwon, Kobayashi, McCarthy. I mean, if McCarthy's even at training these days, I don't know. Um, he wasn't in, included in the squad picture, that's for certain. Um, but players of that ilk are definitely not going to do much for the atmosphere around the training ground. Uh, Anthony Aitken says, I wonder if Tilio wanted to work under Ange. Well, he may well have done. Um, and that may have well have been why he signed, but anybody with the uh, two brain cells to rub together knows that that's not how football works, and he should he should know that himself, Marco Tilio, that like you can't you can't sign for a club purely on the basis that you're going to work under a certain manager, because as we all know all too well, um, that can change in an instant, and it certainly did in his case. Um, but listen, I I as much as the next person wants to see Marco Tilio uh, win, and uh, I hope I hope that he does. Um, before we go, this is probably going to be a, a slightly shorter show than than you would normally see um, for a podcast. But please forgive me; it's my first one, and I, I've been trying to to do my best here. But um, the last topic we'll be looking at is. Um, looking at this coming weekend and Celtic's match against Motherwell coming up tomorrow at three o'clock. Now looking at the table, just get a wee reminder for ourselves of where things stand. Now this is Fort Mob obviously. Um, we're sitting top of the table on 35 points with a goal difference of positive 27 um, and uh, a good eight points ahead of Rangers. Um They've only got a goal difference of positive 20 and none of ours or very few of ours were penalties in comparison to theirs, but let's not talk about that, shall we? Our opponents are Motherwell, who are 13th uh, and are on 12... Uh, 13th. What am I talking about? They're 8th. They've played 13 matches and they're on 12 points. Um... Motherwell at home is one of the ones that we usually fare quite well in. Um, our form is doing okay. Um, if you ignore that big massive bit in the middle there against Atletico Madrid, we've had 2-1 wins against uh, St Mirren, 3-0 a victory away at Ross County, and then obviously that 6-0 trouncing of Aberdeen uh, at Celtic Park. I would really hope that we can... Uh, we can make the most of um, make the most of uh, that run of form and get the most out of the team uh, at the weekend. Because although tiredness will be a factor in international football and travel will be a factor and all that kind of thing, it's no exaggeration to say that we really should be um, taking care of a, a team like Motherwell. Um, and that is not meant... Well, I was about to say that's not meant as any disrespect to them. There's only one way in which... Uh, um, in which that can be meant, and it is kind of disrespectful. <laughs> um, Anthony Aitken says, what is the team going to look like tomorrow? Um, I might be wrong in terms of allowing for injuries and kind of things like that but my understanding is the injuries are the same list that we've had with a couple of additions in Palma 
Uh, but I think it'll be Joe Hart and goal, obviously. Um, right back, hopefully, Johnston. Left back, Taylor. Centre backs, Scales and potentially Carter Vickers, although I would be a little bit concerned the way that his um, injury record has been in recent seasons, that I think he played at least one of the full 90 minutes for the USA during the international break. And so with all the travel and that taken into account, I would be a little bit concerned that he's maybe susceptible to injury. So is there a possibility that a Lagerbielka or an Abrocki comes in and makes uh, a return to the squad? Um, now, never did I think in a million years that I'd be sitting here saying, um, yeah, we'll keep Liam Scales in and maybe give Carter Vickers a rest. But stranger things have happened in 2023, that is for sure. Um, so, yeah, I, do you know what? I would like to see um, Navrocki back in because I don't know much about his injury, but the signs seem to suggest that he's, he's nearing, if not already, at... Um, at uh, fitness to return. So I would hope that that is the case for him. Um, looking at the midfield, <sighs> McGregor didn't get much of a break over the, the international period, so it's a, it's a bit of a disappointing one to suggest that he might be back in again because I feel like he's really suffering from the amount of football that he's playing. I don't think he's had the best season and I really would like to see him get a little bit of a break. But you know what's going to happen if he doesn't get picked tomorrow? It's going to be headline news if the Celtic captain doesn't end up um, in the starting lineup. So I think he will be in there. I think Matt O'Reilly will be in there. And you know what? This is my podcast. This is my platform. I'm going to put it out there. I want David Turnbull in there. And I know people don't like that. I know people think he's slow and he's cumbersome and he's not the most exciting player. And he certainly isn't. But the guy scores goals. The guy is a threat from outside the box. He's a threat from set pieces. Okay, he could move the ball a bit quicker than he does. But I really like him in there. And, you know, there might be a little bit something extra in him um, that he just wants to make the most of uh, his opportunity against his former club. And I would like to see him do that. Um, as far as uh, up front goes, again, I've not heard any injury worries about Kyogo. So I would say he'll probably be in. But given the form that O has been in recently, I would like to see him get a fair chunk of time at the weekend, half an hour or more. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then I think James Forrest probably going to be in there because of the injury to Palma. And then on the left-hand side, dare I say it, do we chuck Mikey Johnson in there for the because of the way he's playing against Ireland? And again, I'm no Mikey Johnson fan. But... The kid's making the most of every opportunity that he gets given for Ireland, so maybe at the end of the day we need to just um, go with it. I mean, I'm probably away with the fairies as far as that's concerned. I think it'll probably be Yang that's in there. But, you know, Mikey Johnson's an option. Um, And, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, so... Yeah, it's my boss, so na 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 na. Anthony Aitken says, yeah, I can I can see what I like, guys. I can see what I like. David Turnbull all the way. Um, even Lisa says, I think she says, I hate, th I hate to admit it, but I think you're right with Turnbull. Why do you hate to admit it? Why do you hate to admit it? I, th I think he's great. I think he's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, I'm not totally unaware of his his shortcomings and his faults. I get that, but he is. Definitely one of these players who has just become a bit of a whipping boy, I think. Um, yeah, you moan when he comes on and then he scores, yeah. Aye, and I've developed the exact opposite habit. Every time he scores, I go, see, I told him, I told him and nobody would listen. Uh, but yeah, so... Um, uh, Lisa says, please no Forrest as well. And Wolf Tone says exactly the same. No, no Forrest. I don't know if that's in relation to Forrest or Mikey Johnston, but I just think it's kind of weird that we're sitting here in 2023 and debating whether James Forrest and Mikey Johnston are going to make an appearance tomorrow, but that's where we find ourselves. 
I think Forrest will get a hat trick, Anthony Aitken. Jeez, oh. I know it's a Friday night, but go easy. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. And see, at the end of the day, I'm just really, really looking forward to seeing Celtic uh, back in action again because I miss them. I miss them when they're not playing. They are like you sit, you sit watching the watching the um, watching the international football, and it's like it's a bit like kind of having diet iron brew. It's like it's better than nothing, but it's like not the real thing, and that's my that's my thing. Yeah, Anthony, we will remember that. Uh, remember, you heard it here. I'm telling you here and now. If um, if Forrest scores a hat trick tomorrow, I'm clipping up this bit of the podcast and putting it out there because it'll be the best viral, um clip to launch my podcast ever if I have a, a viewer slash listener who um ends up predicting a hat trick from James Forrest in 2023. Regardless of whether he scores another goal or not this season, the guy has scored 15 goals or goals in 15 consecutive seasons for Celtic and that's not to be underestimated. Uh, no, listen, I am certainly not getting involved in any tattoo um debates or wagers because that that that's not good oh you're talking to lisa okay you know lisa if you want to do it be my guest but i am not getting involved (laughs) right thank you very much guys it has been a pleasure um i really enjoyed this i have to say um it's been really refreshing i'm hopefully going to be back next friday um if you guys want to see that again this has been uh thoughts on the hoops i hope you've really enjoyed it and please don't forget when all this is done share the links get people to subscribe if you're watching this afterwards but thank you very much for for being involved um if you were here you can say you were here at the start of the journey and hopefully we can see where it goes thank you very much guys